from the Mercy One Studio. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith. Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano is in session. And good Thursday morning from the Mercy One Studios in West Des Moines. I'm Deacon Mike Mano. I'm here with uh, my co-host, Gina No. Good morning, Gina. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Wow, busy week for uh Faith on Trial. There's a lot to follow this a week lot with the f- Supreme Court ruling. A lot to follow. We have to make a schedule correction here. Uh, we had somebody scheduled from First Liberty to speak to us about the Espinoza ruling from the Supreme Court uh, the other day, and unfortunately, they had a conflict, and we put them off till next week. Right. So those to talk about those it. are the little Blaine cases. Okay, yes. the little Blaine amendment cases where uh, states have passed their own version of a failed uh, national constitutional amendment that would prohibit um, any funds, public funds, from going to parochial schools. And uh, so that... From the 1800s this began. Yeah, it was something like 1875 was when that started. And it was started by a uh, a fellow by the name of James Blaine, James G. Blaine, uh, who actually ran for president. As a matter of fact, I think he ran a couple of times and didn't get the nomination. And when he did get the nomination, he lost, I believe, to Grover Cleveland is who he lost to. But so... He didn't like Catholics, did he? No, he didn't. Schools and their hospitals or any of that. No, he didn't like Catholics, and uh, and I think the attempt at the Blaine Amendment did not help him because he lost the state of New York by about five hundred votes, and with that went the election. And there was a lot of uh, commotion in Catholic churches the Sunday before the election about not only Blaine Amendment, but things that were said, the Rum Romanism and Rebellion remark that was made uh, by a Protestant minister who was supporting Blaine, uh, and and that, that didn't help. So he just barely lost the state of New York, but anyway, with it went the presidency. So each of the states have decided to come up with their own way of separating state funds from parochial schools. Yeah. Uh, Well, there was about 30, I guess, states that had adopted these little Blaine amendments by the turn of the century, by 1900. And Montana's was one of them, although they had redone it later. But uh, that was the issue in the in the case, the Espinoza case, that was decided by the Supreme Court against the Blaine Amendment. Now and it they, came down this week, or and was it came that? down? It came down the other day. Uh, I guess it came down last week. Right. And uh, and anyway, it'll be interesting to see uh, how broadly or narrowly that uh, opinion is interpreted going forward. So we can look forward to that next week. We can look forward to that next week. Talk about the little Blaine amendments and uh, and the. Supreme Court ruling. And the Supreme Court ruling there, yeah. Well, yeah. good. And yeah. then what else do we have today? Well, today uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk to our old friend Brad Dacus from the Pacific Justice Institute. Mm. Uh, in the earlier iteration of the show, uh, Brad was on enough times he's almost like a co-host. You know? yeah. He's uh, so smart and, and involved in everything. He's involved Faith in that. everything. We're going to talk about a case there 
in uh, Salinas, California, where the federal court has agreed with the city that a church can't use its uh, storefront facilities for church services, that that has to be reserved, I guess, for fun things, yeah. vibrant things, not church services. And I should I should note here, too, and I just caught this this morning. You remember last week we had on the Navy chaplain? Yes. Yes. The For, Navy in has honor now, of the 4th of July. Right. The Navy has now rescinded the rule that he was complaining about, which barred sailors and people on naval bases from attending indoor church services. Off the base. Uh, off the base, right. And uh, and I think very he, good. he gave us a very good explanation of that last week. A good guy. A good guy. Well, thanks for that and, follow uh, Yeah, and I, I just saw that this morning. It just came over uh, as an email from one of these uh, pro bono um, legal services that follow these things, and uh, and they did that. I'm glad you followed it yeah. um, and reported well, they, it to well, us. They you heard me. it here they, first. They follow me. <laughs> I, I keep getting stuff from them. All That's right. Good. Do you have a prayer to open us up with? I do. Prayer for peace today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God of peace, bring your peace to our violent world. Peace in the hearts of all men and women, and peace among the nations of the earth. Turn to your way of love those whose hearts and minds are consumed with hatred. Strengthen us in hope and give us the wisdom and courage to work tirelessly for a world where the true peace and love reign among nations and in the hearts of all. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Gina. And uh, we will be back in about three minutes with Brad Dacus. This is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning is provided by Blessman International. According to a 2019 Global Food Security Report, more than 820 million people in the world are hungry today. None of us can help all of them. Most of us can help one, one child. Your gift of $1 a day through Blessman International provides a child in South Africa with a daily hot meal, place of safety, educational experience, and spiritual development. To get started, go to BlessmanInternational.org and click Sponsor a Child. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at bigredq Des Moines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. 
Support for Dowling Catholic Sports on Iowa Catholic Radio is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Greg Harper. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. Ashworth Vision Clinic. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. And we're back. This is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, and we have with us right now Brad Dacus, who is the president of the Pacific Justice Institute. And Brad, it's been a while since we've had you on. We were taking, we were off the air for a while. Oh, I'm so uh, sorry to hear that. I'm glad you're back on the air. I really yeah. appreciate you guys. You do great, you do great work. Thank well, you. thank you. You know, we were just talking uh, during the break here, Gina and myself, that you were on our uh, air so many times with us that it was almost like you were kind of a permanent co-host <laughs> <laughs> thank you that's a big compliment i appreciate it and 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 i i heard you visiting with uh, jimmy about whether you had the uh, right uh, signal or you were coming through okay i remember one time we uh, had you on the program you were in an airport waiting for your flight oh yes yes and you probably heard the background yeah we <laughs> we heard yes. all the announcements and everything yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I remember, you guys were very gracious. Thank you. Well, <laughs> well and you're very gracious with your time, too. But Thank let's you. talk about uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk to you about today was this uh, uh, case out of Salinas, California, uh, about, uh, I guess, uh, uh, Jesus isn't hip enough to be on Main Street. Yeah, it's really outrageous. Uh, this uh, church uh, called New Harvest um, Christian Fellowship uh, is a, uh, a church that uh, wants to reach out to the community, and it's had it's, uh, it's been leasing a, a, a building in the downtown, old downtown area, and well, it found out uh, that right across the street was a, a building for sale that was larger, so they could have a, a, a fuller church service and uh, room for people to to, uh, to attend, more people to attend, and they needed that in Sunday school. They needed room for that, so it was perfect. So they bought the building. And then uh, found out that the city said, oh, well, no, you, you have to stay on the second floor. Uh, first floor has to be uh, just retail. Uh, and they said, well, what's going on? And they said, well, they said, they said, well we have this zoned as a fun district, and churches aren't fun. Uh, now, they have allowed, they allow a, a movie theater, entertainment, uh, take place, take place all, but they, but they, but they said, no, churches, um, churches they're, they're, not, they're not fun. So we're not going to lie. There's also a post office and a nursing home also on the street. But they're they're saying churches. Which are a lot of fun, I'm sure, going to the post office or nursing home. (laughs) Yes. And so uh, they're not going to attract tourists. People don't, don't, you know, don't want to ever go to church. So, uh, which is interesting because when I, when I travel, actually I'll, I'll go to church and um, that's, uh, there's a church right there having, having a service or there's a mass. I'll, I'll go to that. Uh, but yet, they uh, they don't do that. Uh, I mean, they submit that uh, tourists don't do that. And even if tourists didn't want to go to church, it still wouldn't violate the rights of the church to be treated fairly and equally under the religious land use 
and Institutionalized Persons Act. Uh, so we were contacted. We at Pacific Justice Institute, our chief counsel took on this case, actually, Kevin Snyder, and we uh, filed a lawsuit in federal court. Uh, frankly, we thought this was going to turn out the way these kind of our lupa cases do for us, that we always always win these cases. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, a given. Well, we didn't. The judge, uh, she, uh, she ruled in, in favor of the city, and she said that, that no, this is, the city um, has a right to have uh, fun, fun places, and, uh, and she agreed that churches aren't fun. So because churches aren't fun, they don't fall into the fun district um, with retail and entertainment and other things. So um, uh, the church can't be allowed to, uh, there's no right to be able to use that uh, half their building, the first floor of their building that they bought uh, and paid for. So uh, we at Pacific Justice now are appealing this case. But I will tell you, this is probably the most shocking Arlupa case we've ever handled in over 20 years, in that the reason, uh, we've heard a lot of reasons, heard a lot of, you know, uh, answers by local governments. Uh, before, or you know, one one edge uh, alleged that churches uh, bring economic blight to communities and whatever. I mean, but this one that churches simply aren't fun um, and aren't fun enough. Uh, that that takes the that takes the prize right there. And that's an uh, interesting word that you use, Brad, especially under our our recent incidences in Seattle with the word fun. It has really kind of taken on a more of a negative connotation. And I understand there's oh. protests right in front of the church and down that street as we speak. Oh, yes, yeah, so that's why it's so ironic because they say, oh, they, they want to attract fun. They want to attract, well, you know what they have? They've had protests uh, down there, uh, you know, sc- scary protests. Uh, especially for merchants and businesses, and and uh, and you know what's interesting is that we saw the most hideous, some of the most hideous protest, protests and violence and rioting I've ever seen in my life, uh, and yet it was done ironically, probably just coincidence, maybe not. No, um, it was done after two months of shutting down the conscience of the nation, shutting down. The churches of America, right? And I, 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 I don't think it was. It's, yeah, it's, I, yeah. I think there's a price we pay. There's a America. cause and effect. I think you're right. Yeah. And that, and this is, and I think that we should America right now should step back and say, "Wow, boy, do we need the conscience of America?" People once asked me, uh, they said, "Well, how many? What kind of restrictions should we place on churches for uh, politics or this or that?" And I said, in, in speech and what they can say, and I said, "Well." What you're really asking is, what kind of restrictions should we place on the conscience of a nation? Because that's what churches historically have proven themselves to be. And if we, and when we allow these kind of restrictions, we allow the conscience to be silenced, whether it's complete shutdown or, in this case, uh, preventing a church from being in the downtown area, uh, where they could have ministered, they could have provided civility, they could have... But they do you know, minister. They, from what I've read, this particular church from their facilities have... Um, allowed um, people to use it as shelter, a warming place. Uh, they've provided meals for the community, for both members and non-members. They have a service to their city of Salinas. I mean, they, they're being denied the ability to continue to, to, to give that right. service. Right, exactly. So, you know, if, if, they, if, this, if this didn't have to happen and they could be there and have their use the lower level and the full de- deal and provide all their services, right, you know, like they have in the past, uh, to be able to do that continually through this larger facility, 
we could have maybe you know see uh, uh, seen a different uh, outcome in terms of uh, the protests and, and more assurance by the local businesses. It would probably be more of a calm, uh, I, I believe, uh, because of that. And that's just a micro of what I think uh, the cause and effect of what we're, we're dealing with nationwide when we shut down churches uh, and uh, treat them so differently than other forms of speech um, that uh, involves something oftentimes much very different than the speech uh, in our uh, pulpits across America. Yeah, our voices have been muted by all of this, and yes. I think it's in some people's best interest to keep us muted, and uh, that's what uh, that's what they're trying to do. I do want to ask you about this judge, though. It's my understanding it was a magistrate judge that, that issued the ruling? Uh, yes, it, it, uh, it definitely was, and uh, and and she was. Um, it was a it was a disappointment because even though it was in San Francisco, uh, we were you know somewhat hopeful that um, you know that we're we're still going to get a fair shake and and that um, you know that she was going to uh, to rule you know properly on it. The judge, her name is, is a U.S. magistrate judge, uh, Susan uh, von Kuhle, uh, K E U L E N of the U.S. District Court of the Northern District of California. And uh, she uh, issued the surprising decision, uh, siding with uh, the city of Salinas, and it was uh, uh, it was a surprise. This was one. Sometimes you know we're not sure. Sometimes we think we're going to lose and we win. This is one where we were very. We at Pacific Justice Institute uh, were, were fairly confident we were going to prevail because the city's argument was so weak, and the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act of two thousand. It's clearly established, partially by, by, our, by our past cases, uh, to uh, to hold that you cannot prevent a church from being somewhere unless you have a compelling state interest, health or safety. Um, this was wanting to have a more fun, fun, fun. What's um, a compelling state yeah, interest? So, not a compelling state interest. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we have all kinds of buildings and facilities that are important that, that don't meet the fun criteria. It's it is uh, it is very arbitrary and capricious. So uh, the fact that it turned out this way, it just seemed like they just ignored uh, case law. We've had a case we brought before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, where they said churches in San Leandro were, uh, you know, create, uh, creating economic blight to the communities, and they'll probably increase in crime because of it, the economic blight. <laughs> and, uh, and we lost at the lower court in San, in San Francisco federal court, like uh, the same court actually. And we appealed to the Ninth Circuit, and we won. It was a hands-down, unqualified, complete reversal, solid case law. We we just thought that the with that that the ninth, any court in the Ninth Circuit would know would know better. So right. we're having so appeal to out of the Ninth Circuit. So so you had some you had even a basis with this particular case where, where you run through the same scenario and and won in the higher courts, and yet yes. the lower court didn't want to even look at that particular case or the the circumstances well they uh, they differentiated um they deemed, deemed a um a fun district oh fun versus was, uh, blight yeah okay, blight and, and crime and the things that were alleged uh <laughs> in the other case uh, i think frankly i think the other cases arguments were much more compelling uh than um you know their desire to have a fun district and have more fun in the downtown i it's, it was it's just Really arbitrary to me as a as a man of faith. Uh, I love seeing uh, places of worship, 
uh, in, in, in places where I'm, I'm traveling in I, downtown. I, I wonder what fantastic. other businesses they consider not to be fun. I mean, would a barber shop not be fun? I mean, going in and getting your hair cut, is that not fun? Uh, how about a dentist office? That certainly isn't fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I think that's that just, once again, it shows how arbitrary and capricious it is, uh, this, this whole argument. And, uh, you know, and Salinas, by the way, just, you know, has, has a record in its past of being oppressive of churches and ministries. Hmm. Years ago, we had another case there. I, I was going to be a case. It was a church. And they were excluded completely from from Salinas, and uh, from being anywhere in the in the city. They just said, "No, we're not going to let you be here. We are all ready to take on the case, solid case." And the church said, "You know what? Um, we're obviously not wanted. We're going to go somewhere else." And they did. They just went somewhere else. Kick the uh, dust off their feet as they left the city. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Biblical, that, Mike. Yes. Yeah, that's what they did. And uh, but we, uh, but this church. Said, you know, they were there, they were doing their work, and they're like, no, no, we're not surrendering this hill. We're staying here. We're going to continue reaching out. Uh, but it's uh, it's an interesting town with an interesting history. Someone even wrote a, a book. It's, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a fiction, but it's a direct parallel uh, to uh, what is actually going, what, the history of Salinas and and, um, and what they've done in the past and stuff. So it's, a, it's an interesting town uh, with uh, a, a history that... Um, it, uh, I wish wasn't there, but we're dealing with it right now, and and we're hoping that in the end of the day, uh, that uh, justice will prevail. The religious land use exercise persons act will be respected, and of course, with that, the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. So, I just have I, something that's curious to me. They've been on this street for twenty five years, just across the street, right? So, is were they fun when they were across the street, or how did the city have no means to be able to limit their um, activities? It was the latter. They, they were there already. They were functioning. And it's very difficult for the city to say, oh, church, it's already there and established. We don't want you here anymore. We're going to change the zoning to prevent you from being there. They knew they, knew they couldn't get away with that. Um, okay. You know, once the church is there, uh, it's very difficult to uh, force them to leave. In fact, the church may have a, get a conditional use permit, and the city may say, well, we're going to grant this for five years, and then we'll reexamine and what we've told churches before is, once you're there, um, it's going to be very difficult for them to force you out. So go ahead, take the conditional use permit, and uh, and, and, it's, and they, 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 it's, uh, it's very, very difficult to force a church out unless you can find some change in circumstances, uh, you know, arsenic in the dirt, because they, they you know, it's just got to be something really extreme to, uh, to be able to do that. So... Interesting. That's why the church. That's why the church was there. Uh, but the problem is, they it was a great problem. Um, they outgrew themselves oh, yeah. because they were serving the community, and they had more and more people coming, and more and more people being blessed. And so, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's why they needed to a larger facility. Register all they those people ask. to vote. <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, and you know, it's a really good point because this is a reminder. This whole thing should be a reminder, especially those in blue states where they've been very unreasonable to churches and treating them differently, this is a, a reminder of the importance of voting. It will impact literally their ability to worship and to, to practice their faith in the United States of America. So everyone should register, they should definitely vote, and they should not forget uh, their faith when they go to the ballot box. I'm glad to hear you now, say Before that. we take our break, I just wanted to ask you another question. You're taking this up to the Ninth Circuit. 
Um, and now you've won up there before, but there's been an enormous change, it sounds to me anyway, like with the new Trump appointees to the Ninth Circuit. Are they getting a little more friendly uh, to religion uh, up there? Yeah, depending on which judges are appointed, but we now it's almost 50-50. Uh, President Trump has changed about a third, about a third of the judges uh, spots on the Ninth Circuit have been filled by President Trump. It's been huge. Um, so we're hopeful that you know, we may get a two-to-one with uh, two Democrat appointments, one Republican, um, or it could be the other way around. But um, religious freedom cases, they usually work there. They're uh, really hard to make sure that there's at least a two-to-one uh, Democrat to Republican. Uh, so this may have to go to the United States Supreme Court. But we're even with it with, with the Democrats dominating the, the, the three-judge panel, if that happens, we don't know yet. Um, we're optimistic. Do you know who the panel is? Uh, not yet. Okay. I don't believe we we have that yet. Um, so we'll uh, we'll have to we'll have to see. But it's an important case, and we encourage people to stay up to date. They can, by the way, they can stay up to date by going to our website, uh, pji. dot org, and sign up to get our legal insider newsletter. We'd love to keep people updated, so they can keep us in prayer. Right, and it's a good place to uh, make donations to your institution too, so that uh, you can keep this fight going. Uh, speaking of the Supreme Court, we're going to talk uh, in a few minutes about some Supreme Court cases that just came down. Brad, you're going to stay with us over the break. So we'll, yes. we'll be back in about three minutes. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning is provided by Blessman International. The coronavirus has impacted lives in Iowa and around the world. This is especially true in rural South Africa, where COVID-19 restrictions have led to vulnerable children being hospitalized due to starvation. To combat this hunger, Blessman International now offers a program called One Child at a Time. You can sponsor a child in South Africa for $1 a day. Learn more at BlessmanInternational.org. BlessmanInternational.org. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports on Iowa Catholic Radio is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Greg Harper. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. Ashworth Vision Clinic. 
Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. Showers and thunderstorms possible through the afternoon. We have a cold front moving through our area, partly sunny and are high in the upper 80s. For tonight, a lingering shower and down to about 68. And then a hot and humid day coming up for us tomorrow. The sunshine comes back 90. The weather is brought to you by Divine Treasures, a Catholic book and gift store serving the Des Moines community for over 25 years. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. And we are back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. And we uh, still have with us Brad Dacus, who's president of the Pacific Justice Institute out in California. Uh, I like to call the land of fruit and nuts out there. Uh, Brad? Yes. <laughs> and, and we sometimes wonder whether that's the agricultural product or the political product out there. Oh, uh, I tell you. I think it's uh, well suited for both. <laughs> couple cases that came down from the United States Supreme Court yesterday, uh, which a lot of people were following. One had to do with uh, the Little Sisters of the Poor, and the other one had to do with the uh, ministry exception for two Catholic schools uh, in, in your area, out in California, um, where as, uh, teachers were let go and they sued uh, under a discrimination claim. Uh, just wanted to catch uh, your reaction to... Uh, uh, both those cases. Yeah, we're very pleased with both the uh, both cases. Uh, Little Sisters case was interesting because they had a ministry. They didn't want to uh, compromise the ministry. They wanted to um, you know, not provide uh, contraceptives um, that was being mandated by Obamacare and the Obama from the Obama administration and. Um, you know, they wanted to have an exception for religious uh, practices, religious institutions. Well, when President Trump was elected, he went and issued an executive order um, granting such an exemption for religious institutions not to have to compromise their faith and shut down, literally shut down, uh, because of the Obamacare uh, mandates to provide uh, birth control and uh, abortifacients uh, to, uh, to their employees or to their people. So... The, uh, the case was brought and went up and down, and the Supreme Court ruled that, uh, that President Trump had the power uh, to be able to protect the unborn or to protect uh, pregnancies, and more particularly to protect the institutions that have religious convictions and, uh, and wanted to be exempt. And so that was, it was a good victory. It was narrower than uh, I personally wanted. I wanted a broader victory. But with that narrower decision, we had a stronger number signing off, 7 to 2. And often the Supreme Court will uh, vie for up for a narrower decision uh, if it can get a, have a stronger plurality of votes, or a stronger number of votes. So 7 to 2 is great. Of course, we had what I call the two God-hater justices, uh, Ginsburg, <laughs> and, Ginsburg and Sotomayor, uh, you know, in... Sotomayor claims to be Catholic, but she seems to always rule against God every every chance she can. So 
So does Nancy um, Pelosi little, claim to be Catholic? Yeah, <laughs> so it's a little little baffling. Um, anyway, but uh, but it was a seven to two decision. Uh, two of the the left side of the bench, uh, Breyer and Kagan, um, sided with that. They have in the other uh, religious freedom cases in the past as well. So they're what I call liberal moderates, but on religious freedom, uh, they're uh, they've been very friendly towards equal uh, and fair treatment of religious uh, institutions. And so we're real pleased with this decision. I think it's a good one. The other case... Well, I was, gonna, I was just going to interject here. The narrowness uh, seemed to come on the issue of whether the rule was implemented properly. Is, is that how you read it, too? Um, yes. That uh, uh, whether or not the administration went through the proper steps to articulate the rule that gave the Little Sisters their exemption. Right. And procedure is important. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we've, we've seen that. Haven't we seen uh, that in, in a case this year that just came down? Procedure. Yes, yes, we did. It was it was interesting because everyone in the news, uh, you know, talked about uh, they misinterpreted the case. It was just uh, the, the president Trump's administration not going through uh, satisfactory procedures, and uh, and and, uh, and at the end of the day, I remember the president said, um, "No, we we didn't lose. We're just." Going to go through the procedures, and we're going to we're going to do it expeditiously, so we can uh, go ahead with X, Y, and Z. So um, that's that's sort of what. Uh, so this was about that was the question: Did the the president's administration go through the proper procedure to grant an exemption uh, to this Obamacare mandate um, and allow religious institutions not to be persecuted from the Obama administration's uh, policies in, in Obamacare? Now these and, came uh, from two attorney generals. I think, uh, from uh, Pennsylvania and from California. Right. That were, that were attacking this. And in one of those cases, uh, I think it may have been the one in Pennsylvania, but in one of them, the Little Sisters of the Poor were not mentioned as a defendant. In other words, it was the administrative agency that was the defendant. But the Little Sisters right. of the Poor tried to intervene and were at least initially not even allowed to intervene. Right, and, um, and 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 that was interesting too because um, intervening, we at Justice Institute have in, intervened before on cases, uh, uh, and then people say, "Well, what, what does it matter?" Well, the case that we intervened on was defending in God we trust on our currency, and had we not intervened, I do not believe that the we would have had that big Ninth Circuit victory when we did. So intervention is a very important um, ability to do, and you have to show that. It, that the case specifically impacts you and your your interests, like little sisters were um, were definitely impacted. So, uh, not not get too much into procedure, but because I, I don't want to lose the audience, but I can just say that uh, in the end of the, at the end of the day, you're right. We had you know, two different. There were two cases: East Coast, West Coast, and were uh, so both of them were uh, impacted by this and by this decision. It wasn't. It was a it was a broad decision that uh, protects the exemption not just applied to little, sis- little sisters, but much broader to religious institutions across America. So um, on this particular issue, uh, and, and this has been going on for, we've been battling this in the courts for the little sisters and, and the like for, what, seven to ten years yeah. already? Right. Um, but uh, companies like Hobby Lobby with strong religious convictions, they were allowed the exemption, then the courts upheld it, or, Quite a while ago, isn't it? is that right? Or at least that's the way I remember it. Yes, 
yes, they did. It was uh, interesting. It was a five to four decision. Uh, once again, it was just by one vote. Otherwise, Hobby Lobby would not be in existence right now. They would have been. Uh, they, they would have shut their doors com- completely, rather than um, provide uh, for uh, health care health benefits that included uh, you know the killing of the unborn uh, in essence. So abortifacient. So they uh, yeah, and they, they they did prevail in that case. That was a that case was about whether or not companies can be a, a person pursuant um, to their uh, First Amendment rights and to religious freedom. And uh, it was an interesting case. Um, it was. Some people say, well, there's no way a company can ever be treated with religious freedom. But the court said, no, when you have a family-owned business, and it's a tight family-held business, not you know a million stockholders out there, it's been a tight little controlled and run business, um, that's different. So uh, we're going to respect their ability to have, have their faith in their business. People don't have to, shouldn't have to choose between uh, having their faith and then not being able to reflect their faith and how they run their business um, and, and have to give up their business or shut it down. So... That was a very important case. Um, this is interesting because this is particularly applying uh, specifically I think, to uh, like to nonprofits, ministries, to churches. It gets actually much deeper to the core of the um, of religious freedom in that we're not just dealing with individuals or persons, if you will, their faith. We're dealing with um, institutions serving and wanting to minister without being shut down by mandate to to, to provide. Uh, for abortifacients, exactly the that their healthly their religious held convictions about these kinds of uh, drugs, um, and and their effects. So um, to hear the dissent, I thought, and honestly, I haven't read it, but I thought I heard some commentary on it that um, the dissent in this particular opinion made it sound like this was an undue burden on women, um, but. We're simply talking about the cost of contraceptive medication. Is that correct? And and from what I understand, that that's not a financial, a large financial um, burden on women. Yeah, and, and even if it is, um, it, it, first of all, I would say it's not. You're right; it's not a substantial uh, hardship on women. Uh, number one, but number two, um, you know, if women are wanting to have services. Uh, wanting to have products, whatever, to to, to do something that they want to do, but an uh, employer doesn't want to pay for it. Well, the general rule, how that actually works, is that people then will leave that employer and go to another employer that provides that benefit that they want, whether it's uh, health insurance, whether it's a vacation time, or whatever it, it may be, uh, long-term disability coverage. Uh, that's a part of the competition in the free market, is what benefits you provide versus uh, what uh, is being requested and demanded by the employees. Uh, and uh, so even if it was a substantial burden, I would argue the, the individual, uh, the ability of the free market, we still have a free market economy. So hopefully we'll be able to keep it after this election, a free market economy, not a socialist <laughs> so economy. But, uh, but, yeah, so people have that ability. So I would even argue even if it was a substantial burden, which it clearly is not based on the facts, uh, that employees still have the freedom uh, to go and seek out an employer providing those benefits that they personally uh, require. And that's how it's been, and that's how it's worked in the free market very effectively and efficiently without the government intervening. 
And somebody going to work for the Little Sisters of the Poor, you, th- you would think they would understand their position as they were going in. Uh, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, I, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the ca- the school Catholic schools, Guadalupe School, and I think the other one was St. James or St. John's School, uh, two consolidated cases dealing with the uh, ministerial exception. Yes, we at Pacific Justice Institute uh, actually had a case ourselves uh, way out in microwave, uh, uh, in the Pacific, and uh, the islands in the, in the Pacific, South Pacific, it was U.S. territory. And uh, we took on a, a case like that. We prevailed. Uh, it was a, a voodoo uh, a witch person who was actually working for this uh, Catholic uh, school out there. And uh, we prevailed, and uh, we uh, said they have a right to, to let them go because they're not of the same faith. They're not going to practice the faith. They're not going to help teach the faith. So... Um, so we, we're so this is very similar. These two cases, they're about the the right of you know, of employer to release employees when they're a religious institution like a church, and part of the job of the employee is some religious practice or some religious element. In these cases, you had like a math teacher, uh, but they opened in prayer, uh, and there was another teacher um, that had a religious aspect. I think it was prayer, leading prayer also, or something, but. You know, their subjects weren't necessarily religious. I think one of them also taught uh, some, some Bible. But the court held, and it, the big question was, what is the ministry exemption? Does that mean you have to be an actual minister, per se? Right. For, uh, for you to hire and fire, uh, for a church to be able to hire and fire someone without being sued for discrimination? And the court held that, no, minister as a title is very arbitrary because some denominations don't even use that word. You know, some r- religious groups use different terminology. Uh, Alito pointed this out. And he uh, went on to point out that uh, the real issue, the real core is, um, is this employee engaging in any kind of religious practice, uh, leading kids in prayer, teaching scripture, or, uh, you know, complying with a, a, a model of, of, of the faith and role of the faith. And, um, and so, because that faith is such a fundamental part of that whole existence of that institution, uh, they have a, should have a right. To, uh, to, uh, to determine who is reflecting that or not, uh, and, uh, or qualified to, to reflect that, that faith. So uh, the court ruled 7-2, to two. once again, 7-2 to two with, of course, the two God-haters, being the two, uh, Ginsburg and, <laughs> and Sotomayor, uh, you know, ruling against it. And uh, it was a great victory because it, it broadened the, the concept of the ministerial exemption. It clarified it, really. To be anyone working for a church or a private Christian school that in any way has a religious function uh, or religious practice in what they do on the job, um, bam, then, then that disqualifies them from being able to file some discrimination case when they're terminated from employment. So that way uh, there can be no, the government doesn't have to get its hand, hands involved in um, you know, were they religious enough? Uh, did they have the proper title as a minister? Uh, it really takes the government out of that, which is um, good, and it protects the religious institutions to do what God's called them to do, as they see called by God to. So, to, uh, how broad is the forward. ruling uh, for our our churches and our communities of faith? Uh, does it include the church secretary and the janitor at the school or at the church? Um, how does this broadly protect uh, religious institutions? Yeah, I love that question, uh, because um, it will actually impact, I think, what churches and, and schools do moving forward, uh, in that 
I say there's a, a janitor, and the janitor has no religious function at all. He uh, doesn't minister to the kids, doesn't pray to the kids. There's nothing he does at all in any way, shape, or form that's religious. Um, you know, doesn't wear a, 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 a T-shirt or something that conveys a, a lifestyle message different than the teachings of the church. Uh, they would not be able. They that that person would not uh, have protection. Uh, that person would not be impacted by this. So uh, they can ra- raise a discrimination claim based on age or gender or whatever, uh, sexual orientation, if they wanted, potentially. Um, and the same with the secretary, if there is no, no religious function. That said, uh, religious institutions, generally, when they hire, they see every employee, uh, either explicitly or implicitly, as a matter of example or demeanor or countenance, whatever, to be a part of that ministry, part of what they're doing. And the, what this is going to do, and we at Pacific Justice Institute will work with churches uh, in this regard, uh, to actually bring greater clarification to job and employment to, incl- to include explicitly the religious dimension in terms of uh, their, the moral code, how they live their life in an exemplary way, uh, whether they, they pray, whether they, they open in, uh, in, you know, in prayer, whether they, uh, they, they meet collectively in prayer before the, the day starts. These are all things that uh, need to be uh, brought in explicitly in writing as a part of the job description and job uh, uh, expectations. So that's uh, interesting. And, uh, so that's both at work and outside of uh, their place of employment. Yeah, potentially, yes, that's true. It, it, but it has to be spelled out. They can't just say, well, of course. It was, like it was implied, a, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah, it would be in a, in a handbook. And I think they made references yeah. to the to the policy manuals in the handbooks. Uh, for the right. faculty in these okay. cases. So uh, you would put that in the handbook for all employees. So you wouldn't want uh, a secretary in the office, for example, to be swinging around a pole at night in a stripper's bar, right? No, right. Uh, exactly. absolutely right. not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that, that has to be in the handbook. It has to be part of moral code. We at Pacific Justice we recommend that you have the, the employee sign off on the moral code, understanding these are the expectations because of our faith and what we believe. And that is very important. I have a case matter involving a pastor who was about to uh, let go of a secretary. And he called me, and I said, well, um, really? I said, has she sent you any emails recently or anything at all? I said, yeah, read to me the emails. And he read them to me. I said, okay, she's working with an attorney already. She's setting you up. I said, do not fire her uh, because of the way the law is. And she doesn't have any religious aspect to her employment, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I would do this. Keep her on. Start a morning Bible study and prayer time with all the employees, including her. Make that as a part of the job. And uh, one or two things will happen. Either one, she'll be convicted and she'll repent from what she's doing and, and give her life to the Lord. Um, and Or she's going to just feel so uncomfortable she's going to leave. And uh, that's what they did. And unfortunately, this is why I love you, Brad. You're a <laughs> smart, smart man. Smart well, man. That's, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't learn that one in law. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but uh, but it's uh, it worked. And, and uh, but this is this decision is going to be great because it's going to give greater clarity of exactly what church needs to do. We at Pacific and Justice Institute have bylaws and things like that, policies uh, for free that we make available to any church and any or any parish that would uh, would like to, to utilize them. That's what I was going to point out. Is the human resource directors are going to be a little busy the next few yeah, months? Yeah. Getting and ha- their how do we get that information again? You want to give us your. Uh, your yes, uh, just yeah, so we can get our legal insider update. We have 52 cases in litigation. We love to keep people updated for free. Uh, it's once a week on our legal insider. But our, our website is 
uh, pji.org, P for Pacific, J for Justice, I for Institute, pji.org. Brad, I want to thank you for joining us again today and kind of welcome back to our second iteration of the show. Uh, we know that uh, uh, you stayed over a little bit to help us out here, and we certainly appreciate that. Always a pleasure. Keep up the great work. Thank I really, you. I appreciate you thank guys. You. Thank you. So thank much. you, Brad. God bless you. Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports on Iowa Catholic Radio is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Greg Harper. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. Ashworth Vision Clinic. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Thank you, CTI Ready Mix, for your support of Dowling Catholic Boys Baseball Broadcast. CTI Ready Mix has been serving Central Iowa since 2004 and has become a leader in Ready Mix concrete production. With 50 mixer trucks and locations in Johnston, Grimes, Elkhart, West Des Moines, and Carlisle, they are capable of supplying even the largest projects in Central and North Iowa. CTI Ready Mix, 1001 Southeast 37th Street, Grimes, 515-276-9567. Online at cti-ia.net. Thank you to Mercy College of Health Sciences, downtown Des Moines, for underwriting our show, The Uncommon Good, with me, Bo Bonner. And I'm Bud Marr. A degree from Mercy College provides endless possibilities. Students have access to patients with complex medical conditions, state-of-the-art medical facilities, highly motivated healthcare professionals, and classroom professors that transform them into servant leaders. You can start the programs in fall, spring, or summer. There are endless possibilities available online at mchs.edu slash kwky. Thank you, Skeffington's Formal Wear, for sponsoring Dowling Catholic High School football. In business since 1951, Skeffington's Formal Wear offers quality service, style, and selection, providing tuxedos, suits, and casual groom attire for weddings, proms, and any other special occasion. Skeffington's Formal Wear, with convenient locations in Des Moines, West Des Moines, Davenport, Coralville, and Ankeny. All locations are family-owned and operated by members in their respective communities, fitting you for life celebrations. Online at skeffingtons.com. And welcome back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Um, interesting discussion today yeah, with Brad. Brad Dacus knows a lot about everything, doesn't yeah. he? That, yeah. Especially when it comes to the attacks on faith and religious. You, you know now why he's 
always was one of our favorite guests to have on. Yeah, he can he can he can talk. And he gets up early earlier in the morning. Well, not as early as he used to, but yeah, definitely first thing in the morning. Yeah, because he's two hours. Yeah, he's in California. He's starting at eight o'clock, and when we were on at nine. He would get up at what, seven thirty or seven o'clock out there to, <laughs> start, to, to, to start talking to us about that. So I don't know if he ever sleeps or not, but uh, they're certainly doing God's work out there, and we appreciate that. Um, and we will have him back. Like I say, we've had him on here so many times; he's almost like a permanent co-host for us. Yeah, yeah very good. Um, and these these cases are so very interesting. And it, to me, it's amazing that, that ten years ago they tried. A, almost an identical case for the church that they're mm-hmm. currently representing and uh one in this in the circuit court level after their appeal and i understand a significant amount of money was involved that the city had to pay out to the church and and yet these churches or these cities are willing to continue to risk this kind of stuff to attack the, the it's faith the ideologues bank. running them that and it's not Market, their money, yeah. so yeah, they just yeah, yeah. they run it through the system. Yeah, um, yeah. It's t- unbelievable to me. Anyway, I want to mention uh, something we've been following uh, out in Texas, and it's a case of a of a man, uh, Michael Hickson, forty six, who is a quadriplegic. Um, he's uh, is, is a, a black man, uh, and uh, he was moved. Uh, he I guess he got. The virus, COVID nineteen. Right, he was disabled and in a in a home in a in a. Um, I don't remember the vocabulary for that, but yeah, in, in a residential facility. And and the doctors decided that they were not going to treat him for the COVID nineteen. That, uh, as the article says here, his the quality of life did not merit care due to his pre existing disabilities. You know, this is something that we were worried about. When this whole thing shut down started, because remember we had on Christopher Farrar, who was special counsel for the uh, um, uh, Thomas More Society, oh, uh, blank there, uh, who uh, was filing the case that they just won, by the way, the other day in uh, federal court in New York mm-hmm. on De Blasio's and Como's restriction for. Uh, churches, uh, but anyway, we had talked to him about this and about cutting down. Uh, or cutting people off of aid because of pre-existing restrictions. And what he had indicated, and I think he's right, is that this violates federal law. And so this man was basically starved uh, for six days, and then he died. And he left a family. And my guess is we're going to see some litigation about this against the hospital and against that doctor. Because not to treat somebody because he, of these pre-existing conditions is to say that, uh, uh, it, it, it is to deny him the care that he was entitled to. And uh, yeah, I just, I read the story and it, it reminded me of Terry Schiavo quite a bit because there a lot of the care um, decisions were being battled between two different family members. Right. And um, it just uh, breaks my heart that a patient could should have to go through. I mean, he was starved, literally, literally starved. starved yeah. right? They didn't give him food or water for six days. All yeah. they gave him were painkillers. And um, it was inevitable that he would die under that kind of circumstance. And yeah, yeah. I could see it coming. Yeah. And, and, uh, I don't know uh, there if they may have any criminal charges filed against uh, 
the doctor in the hospitals. That seems to me at least to be the level of manslaughter some way. All right, well, that's about it we have for today. So let's end with our uh, prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. For Gene and myself, thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Until then, have a blessed and peaceful week. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial, Thursdays at 10 a.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com, and the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imaging Ingredients.